0: I have to look through all my hundred tabs up here to find my sermon, so give me a second. Um, Okay, so uh, obviously I'm not Rob. Rob is on a uh, much-deserved vacation right now. He and Val and the girls uh, and Colleen are in the Ottawa Valley having some fun in the sun and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, But even if Rob was here, he wouldn't be speaking because we are about to do a four-week series called Inspired. So Devin's tagline is, God gives each one of us inspiration on our roles in his mission of building community. So this week, it's me. Next week, we're going to hear from Pastor Amy, the extended version. I don't think there's bugs involved, but we're going to have to wait and see. And then as Pastor Amy mentioned, we're having Jeff from Net Church. Net Church is an organization that reaches into georgian college in Berry, and they have been up and running and doing things even through all of covid and so he's going to come and share about what he and his wife jen are doing there and as uh, amy said we're going to take up a special offering for them and then we're going to hear from Devin on what god has put on his heart so i am looking forward to the next few weeks and i hope you guys are too so for the next little while we will be playing as amy says musical pastors and we'll all have different roles so that should be fun all right, I want to read to you a story that inspired me from the Bible. This is basically kind of how the church was born, and it's from Acts 1 and 2. Um, I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to highlight a few of them. I'm going to try as hard as I can to keep on track so that my son doesn't kill me because I'm not following his slides. But here we go. Acts 1, 1 to 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had entered the upper room, they, they, when they had entered Jerusalem, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphesus, and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up up among the brothers. The company of persons was, in all, about 120. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what they ha- what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could add 3,000 souls to this church in one day? You're like, yeah, yeah, but that was Peter. He hung out with Jesus. We can't do that. But maybe we can. Maybe we can figure out what his secret was and then do that ourselves. Uh, So when Rob asked us to preach, he was like, I want you guys to preach on something that inspires you, something about your job, something that just really you are passionate about. So I was like, okay, well, I'm really passionate about cruising, but that doesn't really make a sermon, I don't think, no. Anyway, but also, okay, so it's not going to be about that. What I'm also passionate about, though, is um, what a life for Jesus looks like. I'm passionate about mentoring. I'm passionate about God's mercy and God's grace. And I'm passionate about the peace and the security that living a life with Christ brings to us. Uh, If I had to sum it up in one sentence, I would say, I'm passionate about coming alongside people in their faith journey and helping them to develop an intimate relationship with God who promises to be with us. One of the things I love about Promise Church is that we are not a church that just sits back and spectates. We are a church that loves our community. And uh, we just finished a promise grant, Pam and I, and Mark and Corey, and Olivia, and we sidelined in Luke and Elizabeth because they came for the weekend, and uh, Pam's nephews, and we went and we just picked up garbage in a park over near Pam's place. And it's just an an opportunity for us to show that we care about the community. Uh, We're going to be doing barbecues. Uh, We put out this call to do street barbecues, and we had 12 spots. We have 13 barbecues that are going to be happening over the month of August and September. Um, And then uh, we have other Promise grants coming up. We are a church that does things, and it makes my heart happy that people at Promise are willing to live out their faith in a real way in the the community. Though, how, though, do we take these events and make them more than just social gatherings? How do we make them opportunities to share what it means to live a life in relationship with God? Uh, for some people, this comes easy, but for others, it can be more difficult to share your faith. So... Um, All right, before we dive in any deeper, I want to let you know that this is a little different than I'm normally used to. Normally, I speak to youth. So if I start to treat you like youth, have grace with me. What would normally happen is I'd ask you questions, you'd answer, I'd throw chocolate bars at you. Uh, But we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're going to do it on Slack. Uh, But because I can't function like Rob does, where messages pop up all the time, put your stuff in Slack or go on the website, and then I'll take a time at the very end and see if I can answer some of your questions, all right? Uh, you can go through promisechurch.community or you can do it through Slack. Um, and yeah, if I happen to slip into youth preaching, I'm sorry, be gracious with me. All right, let's go back to the Bible story for a minute. Uh, picture this with me, there's 120 people, they're in an upper room. They uh, have spent time with Jesus, they've gone through the trauma of Jesus' death and the excitement and glory of Jesus' resurrection, and now they are waiting. They know that something big is going to happen, but they're not yet sure what it is, and Jesus is like, wait, wait, something's coming. So let's take a look at who's up there. Peter, Peter's the fisherman, and he's that guy that, like, denied Jesus three times, right? Uh, And then John. I love this guy, John. So in John's gospel, he just always refers to himself as the beloved disciple. It's like, I'm like, I'm Jesus's favorite. Like John really did do that. So there's John. John and his brother uh, James are known as the sons of thunder. So that's kind of cool. I would like a nickname like that, but anyway, I don't, and then there is Andrew, Andrew's Peter's brother, and he's actually the one that introduced Peter to Jesus, because he was a disciple of John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist said, look, behold, uh, the Son of God, then Andrew was like, oh, cool, we should go follow him. Philip, Philip was also from the fishing village that uh, the rest of them was from, and Philip was always telling people about Jesus and inviting them to come and see him, and then there's Thomas, who's gotten the unfortunate nickname of Doubting Thomas, because until he actually saw Jesus and stuck his hand in and the pools and all that kind of stuff, he was like, I'm not going to believe. But he's also the guy that was like, Jesus, you know if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to murder you. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going. And Thomas is like, all right, we might as well all go. So off he went with him. Then there is uh, Bartholomew, who sometimes they also think might be Nathanael. Uh, he was the guy that was like, Nazareth, what good can come out of Nazareth, right? And then he met Jesus, and we figured out what good came out of Nazareth. Matthew, this guy was a tax collector, super hated by everyone, because he would take the money and give it to uh, the Romans. James, the son of Elphesus, we don't know much about this guy. Apparently, James is a popular name in the Bible, though. And then there's Simon the Zealot, So he, Zealot is just like zealous. He had something that he was really passionate about, probably religion or something like that. And then Judas, the son of James. Imagine being this guy. He's like, no, 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 I'm the other Judas. I'm the good one. And then we have the women. So that kind of encompasses everyone. Most of the people named Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary and Martha from Bethany, Mary the mother of Jesus, and then Jesus' brothers. Um, they were not a highly educated group of people. They were not the leaders or the overseers or everything. These were simple people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah and they were willing to obey him. Okay, so now that we know that these were just ordinary people like you and me, what made the difference? What was the key to their ability to turn the world upside down? How were, a bunch, how were they able to launch a religion that's still around 2,000 years later? The Holy Spirit is what made these ordinary people different. In Acts 1, Jesus tells them to not start, with the, not start their evangelism until they have the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts uh, 2, they receive the Holy Spirit and evangelism begins. Uh, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we, uh, we give our lives over to his leading. Um, we understand Jesus well. We kind of know he's the guy that came to earth and we follow him. We get the father. He's the one up there and who we're all obeying. Um, the, the Holy Spirit's role. What is his role and what does it have to be like super weird? Like do I have to swing from chandeliers and talk funny and stuff? No. Um, there are a few roles that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives in us. This is what we read about in Romans eight eleven, where it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. This is the Holy Spirit who leads us, guides us. He's our comforter in times of sorrow he's the one that voice in your head when you're like should i do this no yes that kind of thing that's the holy spirit and that is the beautiful thing about our religion compared to others is we don't have a distant god we don't have a god that we don't have access to we have a god that lives literally inside of us and will we can access whenever we want to Um, the holy spirit lives in everyone who follows christ uh, so, what we're looking at in this story, though, is what the Pentecostals call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, this is a separate event in Christian's life. So, we all have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, but Pentecostals believe that the main purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for that boldness to speak, that um, boldness to share Christ with those around us, for the spreading of the good news, or what we call evangelism. Okay. So, how do you and I, regular Christians, just like the disciples, become like Peter, who had the boldness to preach to a crowd and have 3,000 people saved? Or maybe just have the boldness to share with our neighbors and our family members who don't know Jesus and the good news that Jesus wants an intimate relationship with him. Okay, let's take three examples from our text. One, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. It's as simple as that. The first thing we know is that they had a relationship with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. They learned from Jesus. They were intimately involved with Jesus. And so they knew the good news. They knew the things that uh, were going to bring life to these people. He'd been with them and taught them. And they had seen him after his resurrection and believed that he was the Messiah. The second thing you need to do is devote yourself in prayer. This doesn't mean that, like, I have to be on my knees praying all day, every day, and that's the only way I'm ever going to um, get to know people. What it really means is that we have to take times where we come together as a family and where we pray. We need to make sure that we're in communication with God. We need to make sure that it isn't a one-way street, but that we we're asking him for his guidance and his direction. And they were gathered together. Uh, they were actively seeking prayer and through prayer together for the ability to spread the gospel. And then you need to make yourself available. That's the last step. The last thing we know is that they were available. They were there. And then as soon as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began their evangelism strategy, which was basically just telling people who had questions about Jesus. You might find yourself out, you're in a grocery store, you're in the library, you're with your kids at the park, you're all of these places. Just be available and listen for that little prompt from the Holy Spirit and then just tell them about Jesus. Tell them about what he's done in your life. Tell them about the things that he's done for you. It was the Holy Spirit that took a man who denied Jesus three times and gave him the boldness to preach in front of a crowd that was mocking him for being drunk. It's the Holy Spirit that did that. Do you ever feel like you're not educated enough or brave enough to tell others about Jesus? Do you feel uncomfortable about the idea of sharing your faith? Are you trying to do things in your own strength? You were never meant to do so in your own strength. The Holy Spirit is far more invested in the people that you're going to share with even than you are. He's wooing them and drawing them. Uh, the Holy, uh, their faith. He wants them to put their faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. You just need to make yourself available to be used by him. God invites you into an intimate relationship with him through prayer so that when someone comes to you and comes across your path that's been drawn by the Holy Spirit, that you'll know the words that you're supposed to speak and that you'll do so with boldness that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Do you want to be used by the Holy Spirit to draw people to Jesus? Maybe you've never put your own, your own faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, and maybe you need to do that this morning. Or maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing, and you're like, I don't really know too much. I don't really have all the answers, but the Holy Spirit does. You just need to make yourself available. Or maybe you're already someone who does this all the time and you're comfortable with sharing your faith, but you just want more opportunities to do that. We want to be a church that loves our community. We want to be a church that impacts those around us. And we want to be a church that's available to be used by the Holy Spirit so i am going to pray now if those are anything that you want i just would like you to agree with me in prayer that you want to be available that you're going to take the time to pray and that you're just going to develop such an intimate relationship with christ that it just oozes out of you and people ask you why are you you are like you are all right let's pray holy spirit i am thankful that you're a God that lives with me intimately. I thank you that we're not left, that we're not um, people who have to wander, but that we can have access to you. I thank you, God, that uh, you love people even more than we love people, and your desire is to draw people to you. Holy Spirit, we just make ourselves available to you. We want you to use us. We want you to use our words. We want you to use our hands and our feet. We want to be a church that loves our community. We want to be a church that's available. We want to be people that say, here I am, Lord, use me. And so, God, as we go from this place, as you bring people across our path, I pray for a boldness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, make yourself... Uh, known in us and use us to reach those that don't know you lord so god i thank you for all that you do in our life in jesus name amen pastor amy's going to be like wire as everybody done but we could be really quiet and then the kids won't know that we're all finished and we could just like visit as adults for a bit if we want to do that so for those of you who are at home thank you for joining us today for those of you who are here thank you for being here and partying with me i love it next week we're going to hear from pastor amy and the things that the lord has put on her heart and uh, rob will be back next week as well so thank you very much we'll see you guys later